Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And as I begin to tell them about the tenderloin, the guy cutting the meat, there's two guys there. One guy in a Phillies hat, helping us with everything else. I recognize him. He's there all the time. And one guy cutting the meat, who I think is the son of the original Hickman's owner. And he looks at me, he goes, yeah, we're way ahead of you. He'd already gotten a tenderloin. He started slicing off the fat of the tenderloin. He'd already gotten the meat for the hamburgers. That's why he dropped the name. Yeah. And, you know, and I just go, wow, that's so great. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Speaking of so great, Nigel has an email for us and a story for us. Please do it. So I got from our friend Noah from yes. NASA. Yes, I'm out of NASA. Noah uh, sends me this message, which he got from Bob Farmer Hines. Now, Farmer Hines, his nickname is Farmer. Yes. He's an astronaut. <laughs> At the moment, he's in space. Okay, yes. He's in space. Some of you are in the bathroom, and some of you are doing workouts, and some of you are on your way to the store, and you're uh, earthbound. Yes. He's in space. And he sends this comment to Noah. Uh, That's awesome. Three exclamation points. I love the comment about the Midwest. Too funny. He's actually listening to the show in space. What, what do you think are, the moon looks like up there? Yeah. <laughs> what are our accomplishments? We have no accomplishments. Okay, I do a podcast. I do a television show, and dozens of people listen, and they like it. And I'm grateful for that. This guy's an astronaut. Like, we, nothing compared to him. He's an astronaut, and he's listening. So if you're listening, ah, good. Thank you. Thank yes. you very much. One other thing. Kirk Taylor writes, Hi. I just heard Mr. Tony shout out to New Balance, and the person he was referring to was me. So I'm glad that he loves the anniversary edition of the 990 V1. And yes, it's a retro version of the original sneaker, so Mr. Tony can officially call himself a sneakerhead. Michael, I'd like to send him some more stuff. Last year, I tried to order some golf shoes for both of you, but I learned our golf product is done through a licensee, so there was a challenge in getting these items. I think I found a workaround, so I would love to get that as well as our new Fresh Foam 1080 running shoe, which I'm sure he will love as well. That's you, Michael. You would love this particular shoe. If there's anything that you all specifically want, please check out our website, and if it's in inventory, I'll get it out to you all. Take care, and thanks for your support. This is Kirk Taylor of Global entertainment marketing at New Balance Athletics. This is, look, it is always fantastic when people send us stuff, even though most of it is junk. But it's still fantastic. Right. You know, now tell the story of the coffee ice cream. Oh, yeah, there's a bloke, i got to try and pull this up. Uh, there's a bloke uh, who, I guess, works with Marenko's coffee the I've ice cream. Seen, I've never had Marenko's. I've yes. seen it in the stores. Have you seen it, Michael? I have not. But I don't spend as much time in the ice cream aisle as you do. I do. I spend a lot of time I have very always looking instructions. for Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, coffee. and it just doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. That's frustrating. But he uh, said he wanted to bring bring us by a couple of pints of coffee uh, from Marinko. And um, you, your position was, we don't need a couple of pints of Marinko's if we can buy it ourselves and put it on the show account. Right. The show account is four things like Marinko's, and it's four things like the Wells Fargo tickets. Yeah, if, <laughs> if say, you were sending your son on a scouting field trip to, yeah. find, to try and find material for the show, right. bring his adult son. Yes. Right. So that would, you know, yeah. we that's... We the put, show account is for that, yeah. even though it was very nice Very nice, some Jeff. executives at ESPN to pay for these tickets. Very nice. <laughs> yes. But we could have paid for them. Yes. You treat so, me like a child. You are a child. You're <laughs> my child. I'm 36. You're my child. Anyway, okay. 
Um, but yes, we'll take the Marenkos. Yes. But I'm, very nice. I, I, I have to admit your position was haughty. It, it is. It's haughty. It's well, like, who needs this guy to buy us Marenkos? No, he's we throwing can you buy our own Marenkos. Yeah. Well, I'm English. That's just my nature, yeah. you know? But yes, it's a very nice gesture, and we appreciate that. I'll, I'll contact the bloke later today. We have been invited to Audrey, Peter, and Kevin Korn's wedding. It's on Saturday, May 21st. I'm unavailable. I am previously committed Saturday, May 21st this year, 3 o'clock in the afternoon at Fireseed in Langley, not Langley, Virginia, where the CIA is, in Langley, Washington. Dinner and dancing to follow. And Peter, he encloses a picture of himself with me at Chatter. By the way, speaking of Chatter, let me just put this out in the public venue on Chatter. If you go by where Chatter was, there's still one Chatter sign. Oh, no, there are not. But now there's three Chatter signs. I got a call yesterday or two days ago from Tory. And Tory said, I went by there and they've added two more Chatter signs. Are they going to call the place Chatter? And I said, well, I wouldn't think so. I mean, aren't they part of a chain? Aren't they some sort of rib joint chain or something like that? And aren't they going to have dancing? And isn't I, it comp- I didn't think it was a chain. I thought it was something that had sort of music, dancing. That's why they, re- they redid the patio. And I thought the owner of the building just kept the old chatter signs up so it looked like something. But now there's two more signs, I'm told. Three signs. I think those Tory signs might was have under always the been presumption. there. Just, they were hidden by bushes. Oh, okay. Yeah, could have been. But these, okay, these look like they've been freshly shined. And there still seems to be a four-lease sign out there. So I'm wondering if something fell through that restaurant or if this is for another space empty space upstairs. So let me just say this, and I'm speaking for everybody who used to own Chatter, even though I'm not really. I'm just saying it. You want the signs. I, I, don't, I don't need the signs, but you can't use that name. We tried. We failed. We had a good time. That's our name. You can't have that name. Go get yourself another name. Right? I mean... Wouldn't you be happy, though, if, the, if the, just the name Chatter lived You know what on? I would do? What's no, that? I wouldn't be happy. You know what I would do? I'd get one of my fancy lawyers on it, is what I would do. And I'd get him or her to do it pro bono, just for the thrill of slamming somebody. That's what I would do. Here's where it becomes more complicated. Someone told us that one of the photos this new group was using on their, I think on their social or website, was a chatter from the now closed chatter. Hmm. I'm happy if you put a restaurant in there. I wish you all the luck in the world. But that's not your name. You know, we had the same thing with the name Chadwick's. Right. Well, uh, got to get your own brand. Yeah. You got to get your own name, it seems to me. Yeah, I don't think anyone's trying to use that name. Again, I okay. think they're just using that as a placeholder okay. so it looks like a restaurant space. What, what was you the probably f- should have taken those signs when you left, same way you took the HVAC system. <laughs> Smartest thing you ever did. <laughs> it's, that's yours. Yeah. <laughs> what was the phrase? You said, quit the chatter, get me copy? What was the... Cut the chatter, sweetheart, and get me... and. <laughs> Cut the chatter, sweetheart, and get me cop. Uh, get me dictation or get me something. I thought it was get me copy. Maybe get me copy. Yeah, but Love copy that. would refer to, at, in that particular case, somebody who would take the story over the phone. Right. That's what it referred to. So I got this note from Shane. Shane Ryan, who's the New York Times best-selling author of something called Slaying the Tiger, and this is a book he has written called The Cup They Couldn't Lose. This is the most recent Ryder Cup, right, Michael? Yes. Whistling Straits. Whistling Straits. Where Steve Stricker did something that almost nobody expected. He passed on a lot of older guys and took a lot of younger guys, including 
Scheffler. The number one player of the world? Yeah. Yeah. And he saw it early. And Scheffler and Berger, who else did he take? He took a couple of oh, gosh, three or four, maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking on that last name. You're okay, but of. he did it. And it says, Dear Mr. Tony, I hope you're well. I'm Shane Ryan, a writer for Golf Digest and a long time little. It's so great when they're littles, <laughs> even when they're not in space. It's so great. <laughs> Embarrasses me. We have a lot of golf listeners. It's good. I'm, well, they listen to you. Oh, gosh, no. I'm publishing a new book about the Ryder Cup and wanted to send you and Michael a box of that. The cup they couldn't lose is about the Whistling Straits Ryder Cup and the history that led up to it from Europe's long period of dominance to America finally figuring out how to end it. Since you're approximately the same age as the Ryder Cup, which was established in 1927, <laughs> I figure you probably remember most of the big moments I've written about. I hope if you get the chance to read it, you will enjoy it. I'm going to close the second copy from Michael. Thanks again, and my best to Edith Saliza. Yours, Shane. <laughs> so, Michael, I know you'll want to read this. Yeah, uh, you, you look forward with all the news that's been happening around the sport. This Yours Ryder Shane Cup Luck. could be this this interesting inflection point. Just as you look at some of the names on the European side, the aging out stars. They were the that might be the last time for some of that, them. That likely is the last time, and that's sort of going to be your that's going to be your base for captains, for vice captains. That trying people are trying to hold on to that camaraderie, to that spirit. And then you have this uh, this new player that comes in in the form of the Saudi Super League, and a lot of those names are the ones being mentioned who are going to be the first to jump because they have the ability to do it at, at their sort of age. So it'll be interesting to see what that does to this competition going forward. We did a story. I know everybody's expecting me to talk about the Nats. The Nats won last night. I didn't watch all or of them because it Caps, started pretty the late. Playoffs? And the Caps won. They came down from 2-1 down. Do you like and that backy to Oshie goal? Yeah, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful pass. And Oshie is right on the his right side of the net. And it goes, it, it's lovely. We had Barry Melrose on yesterday. And we don't, I mean, Mike says he knows hockey. Okay. I don't know anything about hockey. He knows Chicago hockey. Yeah, I don't know anything about <laughs> hockey. And they From said, would you like Barry Melrose? And, and my feeling about the PTI show is very simple. That what distinguishes us more than anything else is our ability when we have guests to do a pretty interesting five, six, seven minutes. And Melrose has been on a number of times, and he's always good. And I said, sure, let's bring him on. And he was not only, he was really good, because he's always really good. And we got to talk beforehand about where he used to live, which was Glens Falls, New York, where one of my roommates in college, David Carpenter, is from. We talked about the Montcalm Hotel and Inn that I stayed in 60 years ago. He remembered. Well, he doesn't live there anymore. He said he lives in Tampa now. But for many years, he lived in Glens Falls. It's very pleasant. And I always enjoy when you... It's, in, in essence, a pre-interview. I'm talking to the guest that we're going to have because God knows Mike isn't there yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Mike gets there, Mike talks to him. So, and, and it always... It loosens people up. It's good. Sure. Um, and, and he was really good. And one of the things he said was, oh, the Caps are going to beat Florida. Oh, I'm with the Caps. The Caps are going to beat Florida. Wow. So I was happy about that. He, he felt that the final two teams would be Tampa Bay and Colorado. But he felt the Caps would beat Florida. And I, of course, picked Pittsburgh because I always pick Pittsburgh. And then I said, are the Islanders in it? Can I pick them? And I was informed, no, stupid. They're not in it. They were in ninth place. They're not in it. But it was, you know, it was... It was nice. Playoff hockey. First of all, hockey in arena is the best sport. Yeah. It's the best live sport. Everyone who's been to a hockey game knows this. Even if you have no idea how hockey is played, in arena, hockey's the best. When, when they rush up, you hold your breath. When they shoot, it's just, it's fabulous. It's not very good on television most of the time. But in playoff hockey, when you are giving more of yourself to it, 
it becomes really good, right? Yeah, and last really night good. before bedtime, I, I walked back downstairs just to see if there was a score yet, and this is when they uh, when the when the Panthers had the two-man advantage on the ice, and Walker walks down because he likes to just sort of have that chore, and he starts to pretend to skate on his magnetiles. <laughs> and he has no clue what's going on. He can't follow the puck. It looks like a video game, but he can recognize the energy. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I just, it is. You know, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't spend a lot of time at hockey games, but in my life when I've gone, in, in the arena, it's thrilling. Football in the arena is sometimes difficult because you're so used to replays on football. Every play is replayed. Baseball is is thrilling in its way when the ball is put in play. Strikeouts are not particularly thrilling. Close games can be thrilling. And there's a community in the stands that makes baseball good. It's about the stands and the stadium yeah. and the walk and the talk. Right. Basketball is is okay. It's a little bit more difficult for me because basketball is enormously repetitive. Because of the clock, because of the change in possessions, it's just, it's the same thing going the other way all the time to me. You know, although the games last night, I didn't, I wasn't up for the Memphis game. Uh, Memphis apparently won and John Moran had 47 points. We're not going to deal with that today. But Mike will deal with that on the show. And then Boston, Mike said that both, both teams that lost the first time would win and he was right. He had Memphis and Boston win. Boston, I did watch a little bit of that. I, there was no game. Yeah, they just stole There was out. no game. I yeah. didn't, you know, I didn't care. So I, I then concentrated on going back and forth between the Caps and the Nats, which is more than anybody really cares about. So we will take a break. And when we come back, Pat Forty will join us, and we'll talk about the Kentucky Derby, and we'll talk about Mark Emmett resigning, and we'll talk about the fact that we hadn't heard from Pat Forty in a long time and thought he was mad at us, <laughs> which is really what... You ought to care about. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. We played music last week by Jessica Gray. She sent us her music because her friend, the opera composer Glenn Winters, recommends she do it. We listened to her and we said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So we thought we'd play two more songs today by Jessica Gray. Uh, this is called Wild River. This is off the current album. Yeah, right? title track of the album, I believe. Yeah. And just... It's amazing. One of the things that's so nice is the rule that you have to pay so much money on a podcast to play music you've all heard of that we just said, we're not doing that. And we've solicited this music... And it's just great. And I hope you enjoy listening to it at the end of the podcast in its entirety. Once again, Jessica Gray, this is called Wild River, and it plays in Pat Forty. Now, I have to give, do a backstory here. Pat Forty has been one of the great guests we've ever had over a long period of time. Pat Forty's daughter is the only Olympian we really know who has sent us a bathing cap and signed it. And the last time Pat Forty was supposed to be on, he didn't post. And we didn't know what happened to Pat Forty, 
and somehow Nigel and I convinced ourselves he hates us. What did we do? Why does Pat Forty hate us that he didn't post at all and never got back to us? What did we do? Pat's back. What happened? I got into some bad shrimp in New Orleans is what happened. I was sick overnight, and I was, like, out cold after being up, uh, being sick all night. And so when the phone rang five times, uh, I did not even hear it. And I looked the next day, I was like, ooh, that's bad. And I, it was one of those things I've now reached an age, Tony, where I mentally respond to texts or phone calls, and then I think I have, and I haven't actually done it. Yeah, and so yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I got back to, to Nigel and told him, like, oh, no, wait, no, I actually didn't. Sorry. So I, my great apologies. I don't hate you. I love you. I'm happy to be on again. Thank you for not banishing me. I figured you oh, all hated me after that. No, not at all. Not only do we love you and your daughter, but you gave us Plants to Porch contacts, yes. which we love. We love that product. So, no, no, you're good. All right, Pat is right now in Churchill Downs. He is staring at the Twin Spires in the first Saturday in May, which is this coming Saturday, and that's why we'll have Andy Beyer on on Friday. Uh, We have the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby sort of sneaks up on you, um, unless you're into the horse racing deal. And being from Louisville, Pat gets all this. But let me get to something. Um, Since it's your account, I read a story yesterday. I think it was in USA Today about someone named Tim Yankety. You, of course, know what I'm talking about. Explain who Tim Yankety is and the perhaps shadow connection to the band Bob Baffert. Oh, yes. Oh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, and I've got a big story coming uh, Wednesday here on, on Bob Baffert versus Churchill Downs versus the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Yankteen, yes, is the basic, the the proxy for Baffert here. So Bob Baffert, who had his what was his record-setting 7th Kentucky Derby win last year, the horse ended up being disqualified for a failed drug test, and that's become a theme with Baffert, with high-profile horses failing drug tests. The horse was disqualified, and Churchill Downs is like, oh, we've had enough of Bob because uh, these things keep recurring, and if you're going to embarrass the world's biggest horse race, we're taking you out. Uh, They suspended him for two years. Um, The banned him from Churchill Downs for two years. Uh, The Kentucky Horse Racing Commission suspended him for 90 days here recently, which will effectively keep him out of the Triple Crown. But he's still training horses, and he still has very good horses. And so in March, when it became inevitable that all of his legal challenges to get into the Derby were going to fail, they moved two horses out of his barn, actually multiple, but two really good three-year-olds, and into the previously anonymous Tim Yachtin's barn. And so far, Tim hadn't screwed it up. He, he, he got those two horses, um, Messier and Taba, to run 1-2 in the Santa Anita Derby and punch their tickets here for Kentucky. And now he's arrived as basically, he himself said, he said, I feel like a lottery ticket dropped in my lap and I'm just trying to get to the window and cash it. He realizes what a lucky but also pressurized position he is in. So let me give a little bit of background here if I remember this correctly. You just can't take a guy off a street to train a great horse. It doesn't work that way. This guy, Tim Yachtin, he, he, he's not, you know, a bus driver. He actually did work for Baffert some years back. He knows his way around a barn, right? I mean, let's give him a little bit of credit, although the only winners he's had in a couple of years are in claiming races. So he's not famous. He's not highly regarded by anyone other than, I guess, 
Bob Baffert, and I guess the owners of these horses, because they're allowing him to do this, it feels like Baffert is exerting a kind of shadow influence here, if not a direct influence. I don't know if he's allowed to call this guy. I don't know if he's simply banned from the grounds. How does that work, and what what is the influence of Baffert behind the scenes? Yeah, and that's what we'd all love to know what the real answer to that question right. is. Uh, Yakteen and uh, everybody involved with the horses has said they have had that Baffert has had no contact with him. Really, I don't find that. Be- yeah, I don't <laughs> find it believable. <laughs> no. And there's nothing in the rules that says he can't. Right. You know? I mean, they, there's there's nothing that says you can't pick up the phone and say, "Hey, Tim, here's what you need to do." So, I, again, I don't find that credible or believable. But you do give him to a guy that knows how Baffert trains. And presumably, you know, if, if, if Bob wants to write down, like, here's what I would do on Wednesday with this horse, and here's what I'd do on Thursday, and here's what I'd do on Friday, it's up to you, of course, but this is what I would do, then I'm sure that's what they're going to do. So I, I, I think most people are very much believe that, that Bob is still pulling the strings on these horses. I talked to Wayne Lucas the other day. He said, they're still Bob horses. So yeah. I think, you know, that's the belief. And I will say, if especially if if Taba wins, that horse is owned by Amr Zidane, who owned uh, Medina Spirit. And if, if Amr Zidane waltzes into the winner's circle after this very, very bitterly contentious uh, go-around with Churchill as the winner, uh, there's going to be some Churchill people gritting their teeth. So this is, and let me just repeat what Pat has said. You know, Bob Baffert, he may be banned from the grounds. If you remember the movie Chariots of Fire, one of the greatest movies of all time, the professional trainer was banned from the grounds. But Abraham still won and won 100, you know, listening to what he had told him. I mean, Bob Baffert can't put his hands on the horse in Churchill Downs. But you'd be crazy not to call Bob Baffert, right, Pat, and ask, what should I do with this one? You'd be crazy. Right. No, and that's why, I mean, most of us believe that's likely what has happened. And, you know, even if it's going through a third party, whether it's the racing manager for the stable or whatever, you know, but but it's strange credulity to think that Bob Baffert is not intimately involved with getting these horses up to the race. Now, yeah, you're right. He is not here. And he will not be here Saturday, and he will not literally, you know, put the saddle on and tie yeah. the saddle down or any of that stuff. But, but uh, again, these are these are horses that that are that have been in his care, and most people think that if they win, it's because Bob got them ready for the race. Let me do the overarching question here. You you know what Churchill Downs is. You know what the Kentucky Derby is nationwide and worldwide, and in horse racing. Are you not amazed that Bob Baffert is actually banned for this length of time? I am amazed at this. I am amazed as well. And here's what I think that boiled down to, and this is somewhat in in the story that that we have uh, posted on Wednesday here, is that uh, the the Kentucky Derby and Churchill Downs takes its, its role as the premier venue and premier event in horse racing very seriously, kind of like Augusta National takes the Masters seriously. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a, a, somebody who has basically embarrassed the race, and this is the same trainer who had a positive test in the Kentucky Oaks the year before, the second biggest race out here, uh, I think that the, the, there was a, a very clear statement made, you, Bob Baffert, are not bigger than the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby is bigger than you, and we're going to show you how much bigger it is by hammering you. Mm-hmm. Uh, by putting it out for two years here. So I think that's what's happened. And 
Like the crossfire and the bitterness between Churchill Downs Incorporated CEO Bill Carstangen and Baffert's legal team is deep. It has been, it's been pretty bitter. This is, it's like it's gotten personal. It's a bad breakup. Uh, Baffert's old barn, Barn 33, which I'm actually looking at right now, uh, had a wall filled with plaques commemorating all his derby wins. They're gone. It's a blank wall now. Uh, he has been scrubbed from the premises as much as humanly wow. possible. Wow. That's a, it amazes me. It, it really does. I won't ask you to pick a winner in the race I mean, or anything like that. And I'll move on. I'll move on to Mark Emmert. Mark Emmert has announced that apparently in eight to ten years he's resigning as the president of the NCAA. And nothing he did was good. Nothing. I mean, it just never worked out. And now it, it's an unbelievable mess with name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal. It's, it, it is the total, total Wild West. Please tell me if you disagree with me on any of that. Well, Tony, to be fair, I think, you know, you do have to mention the, the successes of the Mark Emmert era. Okay, there were none. <laughs> no, uh, there were none. No, there were there none. Were, I mean, it's like astonishing. Like, the yeah. dude went over 100. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it, it's hard to be as bad as he was. But they kept him for 12 years because that's the way the NCAA operates. They do nothing quickly. They do nothing decisively. And they really don't care about what's going on uh, in the real world. So he was allowed to be a just disastrous uh, oh. leader for oh. a disastrous organization. Yes. And, uh, I mean, he had to go. The fact that it took this long for him to go is, again, another indictment of, of the leadership of the sport. Do you have any sense of, do you have a nominee that who would be good? I mean, I always think of Jay Billis, but I don't know if, that, if he'd be any good, honestly. I just think he'd be good. Do you have a sense of who'd yeah. be good? Uh, I mean, Jay's very smart, uh, So, and, and I think he has strong opinions about what should be done. I'm not sure he'd be a great consensus builder, which I think that person needs to be, and I don't have a very good idea. I would like to see the NCAA, like, break the mold. Uh, people are talking about, you know, hiring another university president to replace the former university president who was Mark Emmert, who replaced the mm. former university mm. president who was Miles Brand, Let's just say that model hasn't worked real well. So let's maybe try something different. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you break the mold hard here with the, these kind of unprecedented times we're in. You better think really uh, untraditionally in terms of what you need. You need somebody, again, a consensus builder, but also somebody who, with some vision and some guts to lead that organization. Um, I, I don't want to make – look, uh, my problem with name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal – is that I completely support the rights of athletes to not be exploited. So, so that coaches, and I, I don't want coaches to make less money. I just don't want the labor force to make no money. And so I get it. But it's, and I want you to be able to go wherever you want to go. But I have to say that as somebody who's watched college sports for like 65 years or something like that, it just seems totally chaotic to me and i don't know if it will ever resolve itself in 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 a way that it won't seem that way i mean i think these sec schools i know the schools can't pay you directly but they got a billion people who are willing to spend all kinds of money to get all the best football players and then the best basketball players and now it's like an auction for athletes they're just going to say how much will you give me and then if i don't like it in an hour i'm going to tennessee uh, is this working or are we in that stage where it is totally chaotic 
Uh, it's totally chaotic. I mean, there's yeah. there's no doubt about that. This uh, it is it's chaos. It's it's you know I hate to say it because everybody's been saying it for the Wild West, but but that's what we've got. And I th- I think it will resolve itself. I think there will be a market correction at some yeah. point here. You know, yeah. this was the dam breaking and you cannot control where the water is going. Okay, well, let's eventually we got to build a new dam here and, and control this. So I think we'll get to that point, but it's going to take a while. And right now it is, <clears throat> it's wild. And, you know, I think this again goes to the fact that the NCAA and the college leaders, you know, commit conference commissioners, athletic directors fought so hard for so long against giving the athletes yes. anything. Yes. That So when the breakthrough comes, it's going to break hard and, you know, it's going to be hard to control and they, they don't have it right at this point, but uh, eventually, hopefully we can get to a point where it's a, at least a little bit, at least guardrails up on, when you can transfer, on how you get your money, you know, where it's coming from, so that it is not simply, uh, like you said, a free agency, which is basically, <laughs> yeah. at least in, in, like, professional sports free agency, there's there's rules. Right now, there are no rules. There are no rules athletics. in college. There are no rules. There are absolutely no rules. You can walk into a school, put your hand out, see if the local pizza joint will give you $5,000, and if they, you don't like it, transfer to Florida State. In the morning, it's just unbelievable, and and yeah. I, I, uh, it's totally crazy. Pat, thank you. I'm so glad you got over your food poisoning. I'm so glad you're good. No, thank I you was... for not banishing me like Churchill Downs no. did, Bob Baffert. I appreciate yeah. it. That forty boys and girls, it's wonderful. Uh, we will come back with Barry's Verluga. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, Jessica Gray, G-R-A-A-E. The album is called Wild River. This is a song called The Garden. You can listen to these things in their entirety, not have to hear us talking through them. Like, there's talent, and then there's talent. (laughs) Michael, if people like Jessica Gray, who were looking to get their songs on the air, want to do that, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. Barry's Verluga joins us now. Um, Michael, of course, is going to go out to the Wells Fargo tournament tomorrow. Yes, you're yeah, going to on, use the tickets. On site, yes. That the show account should have bought. Yep. Yes. Barry, are you are you right now, are you out there? Are you at Avenel, or are you just planning to go during the week? I am in the car on the way. Yeah. And, and tell us about your thoughts. Um, Michael, you... you you're of the position sometimes that the PGA Tour has undercut a lot of tournaments, the the normal weekly grind. Sure, right? a lot of this goes back to when they had the first threat of the other tour and they started to create the WGC events and you started to create a tiered structure. And now they've tried to work around that by giving certain regular tour events at courses you know, like Bay Hill or, or other courses out west, special status. Right, waste management gets special sure. status, right? How yeah. about Wells Fargo, Barry? Is, it, is well... The Wells Fargo moves from site to site. Is is it 
a major deal, or is it just sort of for us, a local tournament for the first time in a while? It doesn't move from site to site. It is normally at Quail Hollow in Charlotte. Um, Phil has won a couple times there. Rory McIlroy's won a couple times there. It's not there just this year because Quail Hollow is hosting the President's Cup in the fall. So um, it's kind of a one-off for us. And it used to be, I would argue, Michael, in that kind of upper tier near the memorial in the spring where you got, you didn't get Tiger, it wasn't on his schedule, but you got almost everybody else. Um, and it suffered, I think, uh, because the PGA moved to May and that makes your, a player's spring schedule um, a little more crowded. So this field this week, well, it does have Rory and it does have Tony Finau and it does have um, something like 10 major champions it, it's more defined by who's not here. Unfortunately, there's no speed. There's no JT. Um, there's a bunch of the, the major young Americans, uh, Patrick Cantlay, that type are, are not Scotty Scheffler. They're not here. Um, so I'm, I always love, I think it, it, it's terrible that, that we as a Washington DC golfing community no longer have a, a regular tour stop. There's a real history of, of professional golf here. Um, and it's a complicated uh, set of circumstances as to why it's not here anymore. But I'm, I'm happy it's here this week. I, I, I love going out there, um, and uh, I, I hope it's fun. I, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. There was the Kemper Open for a long period of time that was here. For people that don't know this, I'm pretty sure the first commissioner of the PGA was Dean Beeman. And Dean Beeman is a local guy and was a congressional member and was the national amateur champ and was – Really, really close friends with <clears throat> Nicholas and Palmer. Do I have that right, Barry? Wasn't Beeman like a big stud in this whole thing? Dean yeah, for sure. And and also, you know, was very, very well connected on the Hill and in the, yeah. you know, in typical Washington, D.C. political um, circles. So um, that was, you know, one reason that there was always going to be a stop here. Tiger Woods saved it um, yep. when it looked like it was going away for a good 10 or 12 year stretch um had some great uh events at, at congressional um but it you know we do have some upcoming there's actually a women's major at congressional in june um the women's pga uh and um you know there's eventually going to be a pga championship and a Ryder cup um at, i mean tony you forgive me for saying this may not be here anymore but uh yes there will be a Ryder cup at, at congressional uh in the 2030 something. I'm not planning on it, but you never know. You never know. Right. Um, all right. So I'm, we're glad you're there. We're going to just go all across the board here. You have to be our hockey expert. Uh, do the Caps, the Caps, are they stirring win last night? Do they have a chance in the Stanley Cup or are they sort of like a second tier team at this point? Because they haven't won well, playoff I, series I, in a while. Yeah. No, they haven't won one since they won the Cup in 18. And I, I think both can be true. I think they. They are not coming into these playoffs as a, a team that people think um, is, is kind of sturdy enough to win a cup. And I think that really goes to their goaltending situation. They have two young goaltenders. You, you, you know, I mean, even non-hockey experts, and I somewhat put myself in that category, will tell you that, you know, if you get great goaltending in the playoffs, you win. it's not a mystery. You, yeah, you've got, a, you've got a really good shot. So the really encouraging thing from last night, or I would say – I would say there's three things. One, Vitek Vanasek, the, the guy they chose to start in net, 26-year-old, 
with um, no playoff wins, played very, very steadily uh, last night. That was encouraging. Secondly, Sergei Bobrovsky, the, the Florida goalie, who's a veteran and has won the Vezina Trophy twice as, a, as the best goalie in the league, he was outstanding for Florida, just as good as he could be, and he still lost. So that's deflating for a, um, a team that's a, a heavy favorite against the Capitals. And then uh, a couple things happened. Everybody wants to talk about all sorts of X factors and, and you know, who are the obscure characters that will carry. And I'm, no, 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 no. The game-tying goal was Alex Ovechkin creating a turnover and getting it to Evgeny Kuznetsov. And the game-winning goal was Nicholas Backstrom, a play along the boards, and threading to T.J. Oshie. Those are four of your greatest stars. Though you're only as good as your best players are. Your best players have to be your best players. Yeah. And that group has been kind of banged up a little bit. If they can produce, then, then the Capitals are a better team than they were during the regular season. So we were talking at the beginning of the show about how in arena, hockey is the greatest sport. So Playoff great. hockey, is, it, it's the greatest. And I'm not a hockey guy, but I, I, maybe you have, you're from Massachusetts, so you grew up with hockey. Um, yes. Hockey never really broke out. Basketball has broken out. Hockey never really broke out. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think there's a, a simple environmental climate issue that, you know, if you're, if you're going to, basketball can be played anywhere. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about anywhere in the United States. I'm talking about anywhere in the globe. You, you bang a hoop up onto a pole and you, you get a ball, and there's so many different versions that you can play. Ice is not easy to come by everywhere. Um, and, you know, I mean, not to get all you know, scientific on it, but even with, with global warming, it's not as easy to come by in Massachusetts. The pond I used to skate on doesn't freeze over as much as um, as it did when I was growing up. So um, I think that's, you know, it becomes a very expensive sport. It's like baseball. Um, travel baseball is, is a reason why inner city kids don't pick up the sport as much because it's just very, very difficult to uh, or very expensive to, to play um, at a grassroots level coming up. I also think, um, Tony, that uh, it's it's a harder sport to follow on TV than basketball. It, it you is. You know, they tried to do the thing with the little halo around the puck. That must have been 20 years ago um, they, they did that. I love it. I can follow it. You, you kind of, you know, you follow the, you're really more following the body language of the players than you are the actual puck a lot of times. I was watching the game last night and Joe Beninati, who is just an amazing play-by-play guy for the Capitals, longtime play-by-play play guy, I was just like, it's amazing to me that he can follow exactly what's happening because it's not just just intuitive to the eye all the time. Um, I think it can be difficult for casual fans to figure out what's going on. When you were a kid, did you want to be Bobby Orr? You know, I was a little bit after the, right. the Orr era, so, you know, I, there were um, a, a, the next generation of Bruins, Cam Neely and those guys, uh, Wayne Cashman, um, that, that was more my era. And we would, you, but it, it is a thing, like it's a cultural thing. In New England, my brother and I would watch the first period of the Bruins game, and then in between peri- periods, we'd play floor hockey in the basement um, with like a little plastic thing, and, and then sit down for the second period. So, um, I don't know if, if Caps fans, young Caps fans, are doing that now. I, I would say, Tony, and I think you would agree with this, that you know we're now 17 years into the Alex Ovechkin era, and 
I don't think you can overstate how much he has changed hockey and the hockey fan base here. That that downtown arena has been sold out for more than a decade. Um, there are kids who grow up thinking of the Capitals as a, an annual contender, not a joke. Um, and I just think that that has a trickle-down effect um, to the point where now the, the Caps have a guy in their, in their organization who played for him this year that, that grew up in suburban Virginia, which it seems crazy, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, I'll just say this editorially and won't put Barry on the spot. But all these sports that want to ban Russians because of what's going on in Ukraine— I'm sort of surprised nobody has taken a position on the Russian players in the NHL, which would include Alexander Ovechkin, who is um, friendly with Putin. So I just say that myself. I'll move on. Is Ted Leonsis going to buy the Nats? You know, I think it's a really interesting equation. I know that Mark Lerner, the owner, current owner of the Nats, obviously has a relationship with Ted Leonsis, um, because he's a minority partner in Monumental Sports, which owns the um, Capitals and, and the Wizards. Um, my understanding in talking to people is that Ted Leonsis would need some help with money. Um, he's a very rich man. You have to be a very, very, very rich man to, to buy a baseball team at $2 billion or whatever it's going to cost. Um, so the, the, the easy pairing is David Rubenstein, the former the uh, co-founder Carlisle. of the Carlisle Group yeah, here in, in town, and a, a major, major Washington, D.C. philanthropist and, and businessman. And, I mean, there's, you can't go to the zoo or the Kennedy Center or the National Archives or anything without seeing the, the David Rubenstein something. Um, he, he may be a, a, a willing and able partner with Ted Leonsis to, to go in on the Nats. That is kind of informed speculation on, on my part, but if you're looking for local, enthusiastic, wealthy people who um, might be candidates to buy this baseball franchise, that that's where I would look first. Many years ago, 10, 15, 20 years ago, Don Graham would have bought them. I don't think he can. I don't think he probably has that kind of money. I, me personally, I don't think it's a good idea for one guy to own everything in town. And if you own three of the four, you know, and then you also own the sort of subsidiary things like the WNBA team and other other stuff. I, I don't know. Do you think that's a good idea? That used no, to be I, banned, and you know that used to not be possible in certain sports. Right, right, right. And I, I, I probably haven't thought that through enough. What would the impact of Ted Leonsis owning the three non NFL teams here yeah. Yeah. be? Um, you know, it, he is able to kind of split his attention and delegate uh, to, um, you know, his, his team presidents and his, and his general managers on the, on the two sides. It's it just a matter of what would Ted want, how much would he want to be involved in, say it's Mike Rizzo or say it's somebody he chooses later um, in, you know, roster construction. And, and does he, does he really want to learn about the baseball side of baseball or, would he kind of run the business side and, and, and figure out the media rights and be more interested in that? Um, so I, I, I think we're a little bit early in, in that process, and I, I probably haven't come to a good enough conclusion on yeah. good or bad with Leonsis. I sort of think that if one person owns all three, that especially if they are involved in the media, they can control the message more than I want. You know what I mean? 
I that sort of look sense. at it as a newspaper guy, and I think that's not a, it's not the greatest idea in the world. By the way, um, I think that the, the Nats are, are terrible. I know they won last night, but they they have a bunch of number four and five starters, and nobody has seen Strasburg for five years, um, so they're not they're not very good. And they have Juan Soto, who's not having a particularly good year. Though his first at bat last night, he took it right out to the wall. Um, the fact that the Nats are bad. Would you would you would advise, wouldn't you, the Nats to sign Soto now, knowing that they're not going to have to pay that off, to at least ensure that whoever buys the team gets Soto? Would you make that effort, or would you not? Yeah, I would, and and yeah. I was not clear when when the learners announced their intention to at least explore selling the team. I thought it was an interesting question. Is it is it better to have? Um, Soto as an asset that that improves the asset that is the the baseball franchise it, franchise or is it better to have don't not have you know that four hundred fifty or five hundred million dollars of commitment on on the books and the more people I talk to the more I'm convinced that um, more prospective buyers would say oh you have what many people would consider the best hitter in the game locked up for 10, 12, 13, yeah. whatever number of years it is. Yeah, I agree plus. with that. Yeah, that would I be agree a with plus. that. And, yeah. and, and part of it, Tony, is, is it's not just his ability, which, you know, you say he's not having a good year. Well, it's not even a year yet. It's May 4th. Yeah, I mean, it's early. He's going to end up, uh, he hit a homer last night. Um, he's going to end up with a 300 average, a 400 on-base percentage, and a 500 slugging percentage, and there's wow. zero way that you can have a bad year that way. So his his... I believe that his approach and his abilities make him almost impervious to a back because he does walk so much. Oh, you're dropping age. out. You're dropping out. Oh, no. Mm. I'm at, yeah, I just pulled into TPC Potomac. Yeah, um, okay. But anyway, his age, he's 23. That's a, that's a major, major, major factor in all this. That's a plus for anybody. If I wanted to buy the team, I'd want Soto. I would eat it on the contract. You know, because I want Soto. And then what I would say is the team stinks, so I'm not giving you what you want, you know, because you've systematically destroyed the team in front of me in the last two years. Oh, So, Barry, we're going to have um, – I think we're going to have uh, Scherzer on the PTI show on Thursday. And I only have one question, and it's the obvious question. What are you doing with the Mets? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you're Crazy. killing us, you know. He hasn't lost – his team hasn't lost a game in like a year, right? His starts, some crazy thing like that. They yeah, never it's lose. Amazing. It's amazing. And that's, that's, you know, that's, he gave up four runs the other day and they scored 10 or yes, something. So, yes, um, still. But he's, it, Tony, he's remarkable. And, you know, I do feel like um, there's a little bit of a mercenary nature uh, to him. Sure. Did, did he spend, you know, some of his best years here, seven years in which he won two Cy Youngs and, in a World Series and just became kind of a, a fixture in town? Absolutely. But how did he get here? He got here because Ted Lerner wrote the biggest check. Um, That's right. Seven years and $210 million. So he's, he's – I'm not even saying this as a criticism, um, but he's a Met because they gave him three years at a very, very high average annual value, and, and other people did not. And um, the, the rivalry thing or being in the same division with the team that – you know, if he goes into the Hall of Fame, it's hard for when he goes into the Hall of Fame, it's hard for me to envision him not going in with the Nationals cap because me of too. everything he accomplished here. But that he's doing it at age 37 is um, 
It's just stunning. He's, he's an amazing, amazing athlete. Yeah. Thank you, Barry. Enjoy the golf. We'll talk to you Appreciate soon. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks very much. Barry's for Luga, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Some local D.C. teams go 9-20. and 20. When local teams are bad, they're 9-20. and 20. So Tony set with rectitude the standard of ineptitude. And now the Nats may end up 9-20. and 20. The Nats are not assured of 9-20. and 20. The Nats got work to do for 9-20. and 20. In spite of all the bloom and hype, this season's not a playoff type. The Nats are honing in on 9 and 20. 9 and 20, 9 and 20. Like the Wizards in the days of Mayor Fenty. <laughs> if they lose again today, I'll blame the curse of Leberlay that our beloved Nats are 9 and 20. 9 and 20, 9 and 20. Nine and twenty. Not very good. <laughs> That's the Dan Byrne influence, isn't it? That's Biff Gott from Gaithersburg. That's yes. brilliant. That's fabulous. Isn't that great. I'm a longtime reader, listener. I've had two mailbag jingles played on the pod this winter. I lost complete hearing in one ear, and I wonder if my jingle making days were through. <coughs> but if you're reading this email, my latest submission was approved by Nigel, and I live to jingle again. If there are no other candidates, would you consider declaring me the official half-deaf jingler of the Tony Kornheiser <laughs> show? Sure. P.S. If any little uh, has a lost, has lost a left Alexa earbud, I've got an extra one listed on Craigslist. <laughs> Brilliant. Biff Gaut or yes. Gout. It's great. Thank it's you, great. Biff. Just tremendous. Attention must be paid. Yes. Would you do the Bethesda Bagel app? Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Uh, Nigel's lyrics today are recognizable from The Who. People try to put us to down talking about my generation just because we get around talking about my generation. Things they do look awful cold, as Roger Daltrey would sing. <laughs> talking about my generation. Hope I die before I get old. Thanks to our guest today, Pat Forty. He's back. Trying great. Return, Sports yes. Illustrated, Barry's Verluga. Thanks to today's sponsors, Electric E-Bike, Shopify, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Did you hear Barry's turn signal? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been wondering. what. I think he was making a left onto Bradley. Yeah. Passing congressional, yes. wondering, hey, why are we playing over here? Yeah. 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 Uh, from Jay Yander in Old Forge, Pennsylvania. I loved hearing the email from my fellow Wayne County native on Wednesday. I grew up on Keene Lake, only a few miles west of Honesdale. Steve's Diner changed its name a few years ago to Scarfalato's Diner. New owners, I assume. I'm curious if the diner will allow you to use your wooden nickel good for one free cup of coffee. If not, I'd be happy to buy you a cup and perhaps an order of toast. Well, the show account take care of that. Yeah. From Doc Bradley, who writes formerly of Las Vegas, now of Vermont, and I couldn't be happier. Omni Hotel at Mount Washington, New Hampshire. Two bathrobes in the room, check. A remote-controlled fireplace in the room and a beautiful golf course. All around the hotel nestled at the foot of the highest peak east of the Mississippi, check. Just thought you'd want to know. I'm always looking out for you. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> From Guthrie Weinschenk. 
Um, I'm a millennial little writing to invite Tony and the gang to the upcoming wedding of myself and my wonderful fiance at a fantastic brewery in Mosinney, Wisconsin. I hope I pronounced that correctly in June. I live in Chicago, but we decided to get out of the business of the city where everyone is trying to get married these days, I add parenthetically, and back to where I grew up in central Wisconsin. We hope to offer a truly unique experience as the event will almost certainly be the first Jewish wedding held in a brewery in central Wisconsin history. (laughs) What do I know? Craft beers are an obvious draw, but really the cows and dairy products out of the, of the region we hope will be enough to convince Mr. Tony to attend. Why camp out at the local Safeway for 4% large curd cottage cheese when you can go straight to the source? Thanks for having a fantastic show that has given me more smiles than I can count over the years. You had me. It's smart and funny. P.S. I tried to convince my fiancé to agree to name our firstborn Saliza, but she's strangely <laughs> reluctant. Any ideas why? Shalom. It's so wonderful. Well, cheers to you with a spotted cow. From Eric in Silver Spring, I have a female child named MJ. Had that child been male, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage wanted to name him Nigel, but feared he would get beat up in school. Just wondering if your staff can confirm or deny this. She's also going to be angry when she sees how much I just spent on this damn toaster. (laughs) These are wonderful emails. From Tony Beeson who has a piano in Cincinnati, Ohio. Colonel Tony Beeson, I believe. That's right. Yes. He writes, I bet we can get free parking for me. It's Pete Rose. It's a roast of Pete Rose on June 11th. It's a celebrity roast with, spe- uh, roast with special guests Marty Brenneman, George Foster, and Ken Griffey Sr. I bet that's going to be great. That's going to be fun, yeah. Pete's a caveman. <laughs> you never know what he's going to say. Uh, from Lee Gordon, but you can call me LG, West Hartford and Boynton Beach, one in Connecticut and one in Florida. Last Wednesday, shortly before 3.52 a.m., I took the short drive from Boynton Beach to Delray Beach, where I grabbed my binoculars and walked out onto the sand to observe the ascent of four NASA astronauts from Cape Canaveral, 160 miles to the north, to the International Space Station, about 225 miles straight up. It was only later in the day that I learned from listening to your show that one of those four spacefaring travelers, Bob Farmer Hines, was a fellow little. Had I known, I would have yelled a hearty lachiserie from my surfside <laughs> vantage point. Of course, he wouldn't have heard me, nor would anyone else, because who in his right mind is within sniffing distance of the sea salt at 4 o'clock in the morning? P.S. Why so surprised about how many people gamble on sports? Well, during the football season, your shows prominently feature Jeff Ma, James Carville, Chuck Todd, and others. The only one who may not be a degenerate gambler is Reginald. From Brian Patterson in Indianapolis, a new baseball stat analytic for Wilbon to call junk, the superfluous RBI. It's reason number five million why I listen to this high-quality podcast. That's Josh Bell. Yes. The superfluous RBI. In a 10-1 game, he gets two in the eighth. Okay. Yeah, the third over had- yesterday helped. Yeah. From Marshall Cooten. Um, a millennial little in British Columbia in Canada. I think Mr. Tony could be onto something here. A game show where the host asks a question he does not have the answer to <laughs> and gives his answer before the contestant has a chance to answer. All the while, a British man scrambles to find the answer on the internet. We like that. And one more from Daniel Dube or Daniel Duby. D-U-B-E in Rosenberg, Texas. As usual, you buried the lead. Can we get Michael's pot roast recipe? A hungry little. I Ooh. said you made the greatest pot roast Yeah, no, this world. was I, uh, very heavy on the carrot, onion. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a recipe I'm, I'm still working on. It was the best. Workshopping, it was the will. best in the world. If you uh, are on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Jesus, am I speaking Chinese? trip down to Wild River Followed the rocks 
and the grassy line. We walked along in the clear water, the photos crumbling in my mind. If I To be, I would have held my breath. That one day we no longer be only memories left. One day we 
Good job. 